Welcome to Unapologetically Bold, I'm Not Sorry For. If you are a person that is tired of apologizing for being you, you know, the human part of you that sometimes feels like it has to be different at home versus work versus play, the human side that just wants to be hot, humble, open, and transparent about your wants, desires, and uniqueness. If you answered yes, this podcast is for you. Join me, Emily Elrod, as I dive into conversations with amazing guests about what they are not sorry for in creative and loving ways. Let's get started. I am blessed beyond measure to have Jason on with me. I think you're such an amazing human being and your story, your tenacity, um, your will, your love for Southern speaking, <laughs> all those things come together. So I'm grateful for you for being on today. So thank you. Before we get started, just thank you. Thank you. Thank you for coming on. Well, thank you. I am um, beyond humbled to be here. This is a, um, a pretty special invite. You're a special person. I'm a big admirer of your work um, and, the, and the important changes are the, the betterment to the world that you bring. And so uh, to be here is pretty humbling. Well, thank you so much. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Oh my goodness. Um, that's the hardest one of all. So um, like you, I am a native Southerner, although I don't live in the South now. I live out in Seattle, but um, it's certainly a big part of, of who I am. And um, I spent most of my life um, working and living there in Atlanta. A lot of that time was for CNN. Um, I've moved around the country, lived a few really, really incredible places. Um, and I, I am not sorry for uh, following my purpose and not my expectations. And that's a big part of my story is really the path to that purpose um, and, and how I got there. Let's go ahead and just dive into that. Tell me more about your story and where it led you to this purpose versus expectations. Yeah. So, um, so to go you know a little more deeply into my, my professional life, um, is you know, had a really long and, and pretty mostly successful, not always, but mostly successful career in some sort of communications work. Often, most of that was in television um, and almost always at organizations that are really well known at some sort of massive scale. Often, almost, almost all of them globally famous, certainly all of them are regionally or nationally famous. And looking back on it now, like the, I realized, you know, the path to my success and where I found the most meaning and fulfillment in the work that I was doing wasn't in the communications. It wasn't in the storytelling. It was in the coaching and the developing of people and building teams and, and bringing them together to do special things in special ways because they felt connected to each other and, and connected to a higher purpose. And so, um, you know, I, I went through, you know, I spent 25 years almost doing that kind of work. And, and now I'm at this sort of the end of a very long sort of five to six year pivot where I realized that that expectation that I always needed to be doing communications work and I always needed to be working at someplace big and famous and, and glamorous is not really who I am anymore. And who I am is, is really more about the people part and, and how I had all the success that I had over those years was because of my focus and my ability to develop people in teams. So I, I finally decided that instead of doing communications work where I succeed because of how I lead the people, I want to do the people work um, itself. And if that's informed by how I can communicate with others and, and tell stories that inspire people, then that's great too. But really, I'm all about um, creating a better world of work that leaves people feeling um, better, not broken. I love that. 
oh, and I'm working on myself. I'm not saying I love that to everything, but I do like the it's, better and not broken is something I think is, is huge because I see people climb that ladder and then they're broken, you know, and, and it's, and it's a lot with these expectations that may be put on themselves or others. So talk a little bit more about that if you don't mind. Yeah. Well, I know in the work that you do, you probably run across this a lot is, you know, we spend, I think I saw the stat just last week, um, like 70 to 80% of our waking hours. Now this is, you know, before we all went virtual, but basically we spend 20 or 70 to 80% of our waking hours at work. And, mm -hmm. and so often, so many of us are going home or just, you know, in this case, stopping that process, um, feeling broken instead of better. And that isn't that, that feeling of being broken doesn't just stop when you, you know, go home for the day or you stop working for the day that trickles out into your relationships and to your, um, to your family life, to your community. It just makes you sort of a less of a person. And I'm here. Um, I want to develop the next generations in a way that they focus on building people up instead of breaking them down because it's not, it doesn't just make them better at work and better performers. It makes them better people. And when they're, when they go home being better, um, they go, you know, their, their families are better. Their relationships are better. Their communities are better. And it's this sort of really grassroots organic way, I think, to sort of help our society start to pivot to being better for each other. And that's true. And I'll say that that's one thing that makes me think of one advice I give to new entrepreneurs or new leaders that are going to start taking on task of the people side is I always tell them work on your if you're married, work on your marriage or work on your kids first, because that foundation is is huge because how it trickles in and out and especially then you're going to add work factors to it especially with being a leader there's so many times that you're not cared for in essence and who cares for the caregivers i know that we spoke about that earlier but it, it it's that part of how do we even know that those expectations or and who who are setting those expectations is it ourselves at times so speak about that too, if, for your expectations. Did you set them the most or do you think that others set them for you? You know, as I was thinking about this conversation, I was reflecting on that very question. And I, you know, I had it in my head that others expected that of me. And, and that's probably true to some degree. But um, as you are aware, it's more often the stories in our head that do a disservice to us sometimes. And I think that's where I probably have been for the last few years is thinking that I could only be successful if I was working um, in some important company or some big well-known company doing the work that I've always been known to do. Um, and now I don't have that expectation anymore. I have my purpose and it's a really big difference when you know you're, you're, you're following a calling and what you're meant to do. And so um, that's where I'm at. And it's, it's a huge difference maker in just how you feel when you, you know, I think you will appreciate the difference between um, what you do and who you want to be and, you know, being a human being or human doing versus a human being. And I am really, really, uh, I feel lighter almost, you know, just knowing that what I'm meant to do is, is sort of the, the road that I'm on now. And, and I want to go back to something else you said, if I may, and that's, you mentioned caring. And for me, like my foundations of what makes a leader 
really great is to be a catalyst um, within their own team, with their people, for a culture of what I call care, my three C's, care, connection, and contribution. And certainly, the, so that first one, as you mentioned, is caring. And that is caring for the whole human being, not just the function of their work and caring about them as like where they want to go, what's going on in their lives personally, what their intrinsic motivators are, um, and making sure that the whole team cares for each other in a way that's beyond just, well, hey, what kind of you know work can you help me with? It's really about who you are and caring for that whole person. And I want to go back to the what you said about this is your purpose too, because literally works be is called works because we our goal is to take human workers to be in human beings. So people that aren't just doing all the time and working that they're actually human beings who they're designed to be. But in that space, they actually want to work. But that work is called purpose. And I love that you said that you feel lighter because for me, doing wellness, I literally was teaching the cooking classes. I was eating healthy. I was doing everything right. Whenever I stepped out my calling and my purpose, I, I actually lost 10 pounds and I'm the healthiest I've ever been. Even though I was eating and doing everything right then, I still was not. And so that weight, that physical weight, but also just the weight just was lifted from the stress. Yeah. So why is it so important and how did you figure out your purpose in essence as well? Well, um, you know, I'm reading an interesting, really interesting book now that came up in my, my grad program that I just finished recently, um, which I didn't mention in my bio, but, um, it's just, it's called uh, it's Victor Frankel and Man's Search for Meaning, and it's uh, really really powerful if you've never read it uh, about this this guy. He was a, a an Austrian psychiatrist who was taken to Auschwitz during World War II and actually survived it. And the reason, you know, what got him through it through these horrible horrible experiences of being in those concentration camps for several years was having was finding meaning even in the suffering. And it was really it's a really powerful read and you know, on a much, not nearly as intense a scale that, you know, life and work is like that. Like if you, you have to have some sort of, some sort of meaning to what you're doing. And, you know, we all know Simon Sinek's work about, you know, find, you know, your why, and those are, you know, the why and the purpose are so tied together. You have to think about what you're doing beyond just sort of the day-to-day -day results of the job. Um, in, in whatever motivates you and where you find meaning. And for me, I find, you know, meaning and, and purpose by creating success in others. Um, mm -hmm. That's how I measure my, like, I don't measure my, my, my results are all about um, the impact I can have on the life and, and career trajectories of those around me. And that, that's where I find meaning. And that's, just, it's just such an incredible intrinsic motivator. Like, you know, uh, a paycheck is nice and promotions are nice and nice titles are nice. But ultimately, those things don't sustain you. They don't fulfill you. Um, what fulfills you is is the meaning and the purpose you find in your work. And that is so important because I'm seeing more people. And unfortunately, it's at the end of the careers. And so but that are now seeing it or at the later, like they've worked in it 20, 30 years. And I love that. And some, somebody told me, do it now. And I'm like, oh, but but I have to do X, Y and Z. And I can't, I'm not, I'm not, I've not done everything that I need to do. I'm not met these criterias. Nobody's going to care what I say because I don't have all these accolades, but come to find out I'm whenever you walk out in your purpose and your passion, it doesn't matter because, because it's something that makes you, as we talked about it um, today, we had a thing that called 
extraordinary life. It's that extraordinary um, you is what we talked about today. But it's just those little extra things that make you and give you your gifts. And those allow you to walk in your passions and your purpose. And I think one thing that you also talked about is Viktor Frankl is huge. I love it. Seriously, I feel like that should be a requirement for all children to read, especially if you are in like, we'll go maybe a little bit over, but 10th, 11th grade, that should be a requirement. If you've not read it, read it. Because the one thing that I do want to talk about is that meaning. Because the one thing that I thought was cool and very unique is that he said it wasn't like the people who were overly positive, like the rainbows and butterflies, those died. They died um, quicker. And and the reason why was because it was that rainbows and butterfly theory that everything's to be good and, and positivity. We do want positivity. But whenever you walk in your purpose and passion, is it easy? Not always. No. Um, I, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm not surprised to, to learn that you're quite familiar with Frankl's work and it's just so transformative. Uh, the, you know, it came up in my grad, I, I just recently finished my master's in organizational leadership and, um, it was at a Jesuit school. So a lot of the, um, the work was really on developing self as much as, you know, the business side of things. And, um, and so a lot of it was sort of purpose driven work and, and he came up a lot and. Uh, I, I, I was reading so much about him or sort of hearing about him so much throughout my program, I never actually stopped to read his book. And now that I've finished with the program, I, I'm finally finding the space to do that. And it's just, a, a, I'm reading it at night. And it's almost like a, a sort of a nightly devotional almost because it's so inspiring about, um, like, like you said, you know, how that intrinsic meaning is really what's going to carry you through and uh, not the overly unrealistic optimism, but really because as I, I do a lot of coaching and mentoring and, and a lot of the um, the young people that I have, have mentored over the years will all laugh at me because I've always told them at some point or another, jokingly, but I mean it, is that um, life is hard and you're going to have hardships and you're going to have suffering, but it's really about finding the meaning and knowing that, that is, um, there is meaning in it and, and whatever that meaning is is up to you, but it's not just suffering. and. Um, there is a reason for it and and there's there's probably a deeper meaning about why you're experiencing that and how you can grow from it and it, i i hear from them frequently now about how right i was about sort of imparting those words to them and that was before i even knew about frankel's work but it's certainly true um so and go ahead what about failure and how it has helped you to get to purpose because I'll say that my father told me growing up that he goes, I know a million different ways not to make a splicer, but the one that I did right is the one that gave me the life that I did. And so I like, it's a thing I heard him say it. I'm like, what? Like, I don't want to fail. Like that's not fun. And so now I'm teaching my kids fail. We want to fail nine times so we can get to the one ten. like, you know, just keep, keep at it. And I don't know if they're resonating with me, but like, like you're saying, how much does failure play into this? It's a huge part of it because how can we learn if we're not failing? You can't learn from success, really. You learn from the failures. Those are just learning moments. Um, or, you know, I think somebody I love to follow is that he always loves to say that failure is just feedback. And um, I just think that's so great because that's sort of what has like the final sort of uh, step. And I think to this ultimate clarity of purpose that I am sitting in now is because of some failures, um, just professional related failures about, and those really came from being in work that no longer moved me. Um, it no longer 
felt fulfilling or purposeful to me. And I realized that I wasn't in the work that I was doing in the communication space, wasn't really serving me in the way that I can serve others, which is ultimately what's in, most important to me as a servant leader is how can I help others? Um, and I wasn't able to use any of my, my favorite muscles, so to speak. And I, I felt like a failure because I just wasn't happy. And, you know, I wasn't doing as good a job as I'm used to doing. And it was because I did not have, I wasn't finding purpose and meaning in what I was doing. So I, and, you know, ultimately it led to failure. So it's kind of like this sort of feedback loop. And uh, so failure is a huge part of it. Cause I can, I can, I'll go back to how I would tell you how I, how I like to mentor young people coming out of school in their early stages of career. And sometimes they'll take jobs or internships that are just make them miserable. And I'm like, that's a huge success because now you've learned what you don't like. Um, mm -hmm. And what doesn't drive you and what doesn't give you meaning and so i you know it, finally I, I was to the point where i experienced that myself and because what was missing was this people and culture work that has always fed my soul if not my job title or job description and so um that sort of was the final catapult to getting me to where i'm at now is like this is what your purpose is you need to be following that and doing that work and so that's that's where i am there's there's a a famous organizational psychologist that you probably know, Adam Grant, and he had a, a quote several years ago that I've sort of, I'm not going to, I'm going to paraphrase it and tweak it to sort of my own journey as far as this purpose versus expectations thing. And I, and I wrote it down because I want to make sure I got it right. This isn't, this isn't exactly what he said, but this is how I sort of have retrofitted it to my journey. And it's like your stages of your career kind of start out with first, you want to just work somewhere important. At least that, that's what it was for me. Um, then you want to be important at that place where you're working. And I, and I checked that box at, at some point. And then you realize you get to the stage like me, often through some failures to your previous comment, um, that you just want to work on something you want to work on something important. And so that's where I'm at now is that world of work and helping connect the dots between people and purpose and possibilities. And I think one key point for me that I've learned that I hear too, is that you keep talking about being better from it. And uh, there's a, song and it's a quote or in a part of the song it says i'm going from being bitter to better but sometimes it's hard to switch those letters and i think that's too talk about how in the whenever you go to purpose how it you can tell that it's purpose at times because it's more of a betterment than a bitterment if bitterment's even a word um, you know, it's funny, I, I don't know that song, but I have heard bitter to better somewhere like a couple of times just in the last week or so. So it's interesting that you bring up that that phrase. Um, so you're asking how how that how purpose ties into that bitter, not better or mm -hmm. better, not better. Yeah. Well, I'll go back to my own experiences. Uh, you know, this has happened over the course of my life and career. And again, when you're not living with purpose or meaning, or you're not even, you're not aware enough to know that you're not living in purpose and meaning, it's so much easier to, to be better. Like the, the, the littlest things can make you feel angry or bitter or sad. And when you find your purpose and you're living in congruence with that, uh, whether that's through work or just who you're being as a person, it's so much easier to stay on a path of sort of contentment and not always, it doesn't mean you're always positive or always happy, but you don't let things make you bitter or angry, at least not for very long, because you realize that there's really 
whatever you're feeling bitter about is probably very, very temporary. And um, your purpose is forever um, or, you know, it's a really long term thing. And when you can have the awareness um, of that, then you're going to be much better off. And I'll bring up Frankel again. His, you know, his probably his most famous quote from that book is about the space between the stimulus and the response is your um, your freedom to choose. Mm-hmm. And in that space, after, I'm sort of paraphrasing it now, is um, or in that space is how does it say it's um, the space between the stimulus and response? And um, yeah, you said it right. It's yeah. it, it's your freedom to choose in in your freedom. That, that's a that's a delicate space in essence is what he's saying. Yeah, you have choice. Yeah, and that that's where you can make the choice. Do you want to respond in a way that makes you bitter, or do you want to respond in a way that makes you better? And if you know what your purpose is, and you're not worried about the expectations of others, it's easier to respond in a way that ultimately is going to serve you better and not make you better. What do you think is the number one reason why people rather walk in their expectations than their purpose? Wow, what a great question. Um, it, <laughs> I almost want to define the question with the question itself, because I think we're all so worried about how others see us, which is in essence expectations and what we think they think we should be doing, um, that we, we often forget about fulfilling our own needs and like, wait a minute, what do I want? Um, it's just such a, you know, it's sort of the way of our culture and our society is, um, especially these days where you have all these images coming at you from every different possible media stream. And um, it's just so easy to get caught up in trying to be something that you're not um, or something that you think your partner or your parent or your family or whoever, your classmates think that you should be all because you aren't digging deep enough or being honest with yourself enough to do what you're really supposed to be doing or be who you're supposed to be being um because this is what oh well this is what i went to school for and this is what i've always done and this is what my parents wanted me to do it's just it doesn't serve us um the really what serves us the most is being congruent with ourselves. but you have to do a lot of work sometimes on yourself to figure out what that is and i think one of the big things that i've found is that doing that what i call as a you work is uncomfortable and whenever i can walk out my expectations it's already expected of me it's pretty comfortable because i know what to do like i can rock it in there but whenever i walk out my purpose it's uncomfortable for me because there's so much growth it may be uncomfortable for others so how has another i don't know if this is a word again uncomfortability excelled you to being purpose-driven? I think it'll go, I'll go back to that, what I was saying earlier about how um, not being congruent with my purpose led me to a great deal of pain. And certainly that was uncomfortable to the point where it finally got so uncomfortable. I was like, I can't do this anymore. I don't want to do this anymore. Um, And so that made me sort of shut off those expectations that I had had my entire adult life, basically. Um, and to be very fair, those expectations served me extraordinarily well. I mean, the, the, you know, those that communications career gave me, for sure, a really, really great life and gave me the best relationships that I'll probably ever have. 
um, and gave me a set of experiences that most people would only dream of. So it was, you know, it was, this was not a bad existence. It's just, you know, you evolve over time and you realize that that's just not who I am anymore. Um, and you let it go and you're grateful for it, but you realize, you know, that doesn't, it makes me uncomfortable because it's just not, it's just going through the motions kind of. And um, it's not, you're not using your favorite muscles, as I, as I said earlier. And I think that's where I was, is you were uncomfortable as I went through, like I said, my, my grad program had so much you work, as you would call it, because you can't really lead a team or a business until you can lead yourself. And so you have to do that you work. And yeah, you, you go through some probably painful realizations, but those also kind of help give you those very, very comfortable aha moments because you kind of start to understand yourself better and understand uh, your purpose, you know, and understand what gives you meaning. And so you, you can't really experience a lot of growth. There's a reason why there's a phrase called growing pains. And I think <laughs> it can be both literal or, or figurative. And in this case, maybe it's figurative, but you, I don't know if you can ever have a true growth experience without some sort of um, discomfort. I'll say I never have. I don't know of one that I, in my life that I've ever had that it was not uncomfortable at some point in the in the journey. So we do have one comment on here that I think is interesting too, especially because you come from the TV world. Um, so TV and radio helps direct us to what we should be. Most of the time, that's uh, time that's wrong. And talk about that too. Not that TV's bad or whatnot, but how is it that I call it the comparison curse? that we see others doing things and then we want to compare ourselves because it's, they got on TV, they got famous, they got bright, shiny, you know, and look at them, you know, Instagram likes, all those things. Talk about that and how outside motivators can help or hurt. Well, yeah, I would, I would say they probably hurt more than they help, but there's certainly, I'm sure there's cases where they are, they are very helpful, but um, yeah, it's exactly what whoever asked that and, and the way you phrased it, certainly you phrased it better than I did originally. And that is, that's where all these expectations come from is these, this imagery that we're constantly bombarded with. And you find yourself forgetting about who you are and, and you're trying to be because sort of almost subconsciously you're, you know, you're processing these things and thinking that's who you are expected to be or what you want to be or or whatever and it's absolutely a, a valid um observation that whether it's tv or social media or anything like that they um if you're trying to be and i use that term intentionally if you're trying to be in accordance with what you're consuming on those platforms it is a very it's going to lead you down a very unhealthy road for sure and it's it's a hard trap for us for any of us to avoid self-included absolutely and I think that's that's a great place to to, I think, give your final thoughts on. And that is if you had somebody that you saw that was apologizing for following their expectations um, and not their purpose, what would you tell them? What would you tell yourself 20 years ago? Gosh, this is going to be hard to answer without using probably a ton of cliches about listening to your heart or any of those sort of uh fluffy things but you know i think this is where you know the, 
interestingly, the very, very, this is even before my grad program, I, I did a, a business communications certificate program at Emory University there in Atlanta. And the very first course I did in that business communications program was a, um, a course on emotional intelligence. And I, I was so naive. I was like, what in the world does this have to do with business communications? And that honestly, you know, by the end of that class, I had a complete awakening about how this fits in. And, you know, one of the four core components of, of emotional intelligence is self-awareness. And so that's where I think that comes in is if you have, if you've developed that self-awareness and that takes work, you will feel something inside that is just not right. Um, it's kind of there and you kind of, you know, you're just kind of going, again, going through the motions or um, if you're just living according to others' expectations, then something inside you is going to um, tip you off to that. And eventually it may take 20 or 25 years, like it did in my case, um, to, to sort of listen to it. But that's what I would um, try to tell people is that if you are hearing something or feeling something inside, whether it's your heart or your head, it's best to listen to it and just explore it and see what that might be trying to tell you, because probably there's something that's not congruent about who you are, who you want to be, what your possibilities are, and what expectations of others are. There's, those are things that are often not in alignment. I love it. And it is so true. And I'll tell you that that kind of was that me work was what got me to start stepping out and to thinking more because those two lives didn't mesh. And it was not for the first time that somebody told me was like, oh, you kind of want to be the same human at homework and play. I'm like, what? I'm like, no, I got to be professional here. I got to dress a certain way. I got to act a certain way. And I think that's an important thing. And I'm blessed for people like you that are helping my generation. It's so incredibly freeing when you can realize that, wait a minute, you know, I can be my whole, in fact, I should be my whole self, my real self and all those three places that you just mentioned, because when we are, we're constantly trying to not, you know, to be a certain thing in one place and then to be a different thing in another place, it's just physically and emotionally draining. Um, you know, I, Brene Brown, you know, I love how she talks about belonging and like belonging doesn't ask you to change who you are to fit in. It asks you to be who you are. And if you can be who you are in all those facets of life, it's just so incredibly freeing. And I think it, it's a big part of unlocking this personal purpose puzzle. Um, they're intertwined for sure. I agree. So I just want to give you so much gratitude and thanks. Thank you for all that joined in today and until next time. Y'all have an awesome and blessed day. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Unapologetically Bold. I'm not sorry for. If this touched you in any way, please like and subscribe and share with your friends as we continue the message of being unapologetically bold by being hot humans who are humble, open, and transparent. See you next time.